Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And today, oh, people have been waiting for this for a long time. I've got Austin Aries here, his first post-WWE interview. As you already know, most of you, Austin is no longer with the WWE. And today on Talk is Jericho, you're going to find out exactly why. Austin called me, wanted to tell his story on Talk is Jericho. Because it is the uh, world-renowned, uh, recognized symbol of excellence in podcasts and Austin called me. So we're very happy to have him on. He's telling a story what happened uh, at the WWE, why they parted ways, even the details on how he ended up signing with WWE in the first place, being part of 205 Live Cruiserweight Division, the illustrious Banana, and opening WrestleMania 33, the first match at WrestleMania 33. He's had a super successful career on the indie scene prior to that, and afterwards he's already got some great shows booked for this year. November 17th at Tommy Dreamer's House of Hardcore, uh, the show in St. James, New York. November 18th, once again, at House of Hardcore. That's in Philadelphia. December 2nd, House of Hardcore in Wakasha, Wisconsin. Wakasha, Wisconsin. Get the tickets at houseofhardcore.net. Then he's November 27th in Sydney, Australia at the International Assault Global Invasion 2K17. December 17th at IPW Undisputed in the U.K., Austin Aries versus Mark Haskins. Lots of big matches coming up for Austin. Plus, he has just released his new book, Food Fight, My Plant-Powered Journey from the Bingo Halls to the Big Time. Yeah, it's out now. You can get it at Amazon or wherever you buy books. It's a story about wrestling, uh, his decision to adopt a vegan lifestyle, and why he hates the word vegan as well. Austin Aries coming up. Uh, but speaking of vegan, which ties into weed, uh-huh, I am in Amsterdam, home of weed. Uh, I did not uh, partake in any, although I did go into a weed coffee shop last night and check it out. They sell uh, marijuana like candy at a candy store, like with all the different sections and all the different bins. So it was interesting. Had a great meal and getting ready to uh, rock it tonight in Fozzie, Amsterdam. We are going crazy. The European leg of the uh, Judas Rising tour with Hardcore Superstar. Uh, we closed the shows in England and now they are closing the shows in Europe and we will be on third on the night. Wednesday, November 8th in Aschaffenburg, Germany. Uh, then Pratel in Switzerland on November 9th, which is my birthday. Then we head over to Italy, Trezzo, which I believe is close to Milan on the 10th. Roncada on 11. Roma on the 12th. Then we hit Vienna on the 14th. Munich on the 15th. Essen on the 16th, Hamburg on the 17th, 18, we're in Genk, Belgium, and that is it. Come back home again after this long tour, but come join us. All tickets available at FozzyRock.com and all VIP experiences available at FozzyRock.com. We had a great one the other day in Newcastle. We did Eat the Rich and Break of the Law and One Crazy Anarchist, all songs you will not hear in the set along with Judas and Drake with Jesus. I even went in the crowd and sang uh, with the fine, fine VIPs in Newcastle. We're going to keep doing a lot of that. So if you want to join us, go to FozzyRock.com and check out all VIP uh, information and ticket information. And check out the new Fozzy Judas t-shirt available at Represent.com slash Fozzy. Help fight juvenile diabetes and get a brand new killer-looking Fozzy t-shirt. Go to Represent.com slash Fozzy and you see the uh, Fozzy Judas t-shirt. So do all that. Have lots of fun. Rock out with Fozzy. Uh, and I'm going to do something right now. I'm going to tell you something I've been doing almost every day on this Fozzy tour to stay uh, in shape because we 
you put a lot of emphasis and a lot of effort onto those shows, uh, a lot of energy, and leave it all on stage. So sometimes you got to get that energy back with DDP Yoga. I've done it on the bus, backstage at the venues, in my hotel room. Uh, also, Rich Ward's been doing it every day. You can see him doing it on the bus all the time. It's keeping us loose and limber and able to perform night after night. It's also helping my singing because it really helps keep my core in shape, and that's where singing comes from, your diaphragm and your core. And somebody else who's really benefited from DDP Yoga is Jared Mollenkopf. Check out Jared's story. Jared saw Dallas on the streets of Utah and went up to him and said he'd lost 190 pounds in eight months doing DDP Yoga. Completely crazy, but also true. So Dallas asked Jared if Jared had taken the six starting pictures. Jared said he had, but he'd also done something better. He'd filmed all his progress as well. So now fast forward nearly 18 months and Jared lost 313 pounds forever changing his life I've seen the pictures in the video it is real it is unbelievable and that's the thing about DDP yoga no actors no models real people with real stories and real life transformations just like me uh, took me away from back surgery I had two doctors tell me I needed back surgery back in 2012 started doing DDP yoga it all went away I am the living proof that this is real DDP yoga can do the same for you get on the path to healthier living and do it by going to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho ddpyoga.com slash Jericho do it right Right now, take advantage of an exclusive sale that Dallas is offering to all you sexy beast Talk is Jericho listeners. And you can also get the DDP Yoga Now app so you can work out wherever you are, whoever you are, whenever you want to, wherever you want to. It's available for iOS and Android. That's what I use. I just open the app and get to work wherever I am. Like I said, the bus, the dressing room, whatever venue, the hotel room. DDP makes it that easy and that convenient. DDP Yoga changed my life. It can change yours as well. Get started today at ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Own your life. Get in the best physical and mental shape of your life and do it now. Go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho and make it happen, Captain. All right, before we get to Austin Aries, obviously the huge news this week is the uh, announce, uh, announcement of uh, Alpha versus Omega, Jericho versus Kenny, January 4th at the Tokyo Dome, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yes, I am going to New Japan for the Tokyo Dome to face Kenny Omega in a dream match of all dream matches. Um, I'll tell the whole story on, on another show, but needless to say, it's something I've been working on for a couple months. I'm very excited about this. It's the first match that I've had outside of the WWE since uh, 1999, and the timing couldn't be better. I mean, Kenny Omega is the best performer in professional wrestling today, the most critically acclaimed, the most buzz, uh, and I came off the greatest run of my career back in 2016 and 2017, so I think you really do have uh, a best-in-the-world versus best-in-the-world type situation. Uh, um, but I've been saying that I am the alpha of pro wrestling, um, by far the greatest of all time, the best in the world. So it's the alpha versus the Omega January 4th at the Tokyo Dome. Uh, if you're not going to be in Japan, you can watch it on New Japan uh, World, which is their live streaming service. And uh, we're working on other ways for you to see it as well. But it's definitely uh, caused the whole wrestling world to turn uh, their heads it's the biggest talk of the wrestling world and once again chris jericho right in the middle of it that's what i do baby last couple months been working on this keeping it a secret from all of you and actually so surprised and happy that it ended up staying a secret nobody knew until um the match was announced at the end of kenny's match in osaka the other day which was in the middle of the night uh for everybody and I, of course, was listening or watching the matches uh, in my bunk. I think we were in Newcastle, England or something along those lines. And just watching the matches drift away. And here we get closer, here we get closer, here we get closer. And then suddenly here comes the deluge of texts. 
as everybody wants to know about what's going on with Jericho versus Omega, what's happened at the Tokyo Dome, Alpha versus Omega. It's going to be one of the biggest matches in wrestling history, in pro wrestling history, happening at the Tokyo Dome. It is a co-headlining main event along with uh, Okada and uh, Naito. So, yeah, working on top of the Tokyo Dome. The kids still got it. Absolutely. Also still got it November 17th, uh, 11 p.m. Eastern on the Travel Channel, The Legend Of with Chris Jericho. And on this debut episode of this series, we are going searching, uh, hunting for the lost treasure of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. They were real characters. And actually, we're going to talk more about this next week on Talk is Jericho with the American Treasure Hunters uh, as we talk about who uh, uh, the evidence of where the lost gold of Butch Cassidy should be. And we found a lot of cool stuff. And we blew some stuff up as well. And I dressed like a cowboy. And we took some uh, took some shots with some old school six, uh, six shooting guns. It was quite the adventure out in the deserts and the canyons of, uh, of uh, Utah. Uh, once again, what, what would Jericho be doing searching for the hidden treasure of Bush Cassidy? Uh, why, and my, question, my answer to that is, well, why wouldn't I? You know me. I like doing cool stuff. I think you're going to love it. Uh, the Legend of with Chris Jericho, uh, November 17th, next Friday, uh, on the Travel Channel at 11 p.m. Eastern. All right, let's get into going. Let's get going into right here, Austin Aries. His first interview after leaving uh, the WWE. It's a TIG exclusive, and it starts now. Check uh, three five seven two. I feel like a real rocker. You put oh that. wow, your voice yeah. sounds so much sexier yes. now. Hi, hi. So let's uh, let's just say we're looking for a phone book for you to sit on because the chair is so low, and right. we're talking about how like there really isn't phone books anymore. I sit on my phone. But, That's yeah, my phone book. But they right. send them to you, <laughs> yeah. like at the end of my driveway every once in a while. I had like three in one year thrown in my front porch, and I'm thinking, why? Maybe old school, like oldsters want to use it or something like this, but it's like, th- th- yes, there's no reason. Do you think maybe that was like the last year that they realized they had to make phone books, so they just had to get rid of the, like the, the rest of the out. reserves? Yeah, they're like so they're just seven years ago. Yeah. yeah, that's right. I feel always feel bad <laughs> throwing away because it's a giant thing of paper. I know. And you're sp- like Daniel Bryan would hate me because you're not supposed to throw away paper anymore. I, I use it for tissue paper when I, when I do all my holiday uh, gift wrapping. <laughs> right, yeah. exactly. So you still get a use out of right. it. Right. You know, it's funny. You, you gave me a, a copy of your book here. Talking with Austin Aries, it's called Food Fight, and I'm going to read the inscription uh, after. But uh, so I saw Bob Backlund a couple of years ago when he had his oh, book, man. and he gave me the book to show me that he had a book. <laughs> I assumed <laughs> he was giving me the book, so I asked him to sign it, and then super awkwardness ensues where I realize, wait a minute, oh young man, that- he's like. Young man, that wasn't that was the book wasn't for you, young but, man. But then he didn't even say that yeah. though. He was just like, <laughs> was just oh, sure. Like, and I'm like, oh, he doesn't want me to have this, and I'm not supposed to be signs. Uh, and then he goes, "What's your name again?" Oh, I'm like, Chris beautiful. Jericho. I was on the road with you in '94 in Japan. It's like, ah. Oh. Well, uh, I know to this day that every time I go and talk to him, he doesn't remember me. Nothing, despite right? Despite the fact that he ragdolled me around in the chicken wing more than one, more than one occasion did when we really? worked together. Yeah, we did. When did you work with him? Uh, in uh, in TNA, we were doing a program my first time there. Wow. And it was going to culminate with that. And it's funny because we were doing the uh, the Paparazzi Championship Series, which okay. was the stuff we were doing with Kevin Nash and all the X Division guys. And it was mm-hmm. awesome because uh, we literally did it after everybody left. It was just us and Jeremy Borash and Kevin, and we just free reign. And we just... You know, the stuff that you saw was funny. The stuff that we weren't allowed to show was even better. <laughs> was it just like a segment, like an interview so segment or something? The, or? the PCS was like this championship series to determine it was this point system, but we were doing like musical chairs, pogo stick, uh, push-up contest, <laughs> okay, gotcha. limbo, right? right, and, right, right. Uh, so 
in one of these segments was the push-up contest. I had some of those push-up bars. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, the rest of the guys started complaining it was unfair advantage. But, of course, Kevin chimed in that, no, this was Bob Backlund approved. He measured it with his hand and said, this is Bob Backlund approved. And I think just from that comment, that's what got Bob in there to do the stuff that and ended up leading to the little stuff that we do. And, and now, I'll tell you what, that, that chicken wing's no joke. I was just saying, uh, yeah. how, how does Bob put the chicken wing on? Um, so... Gently at first, and you're like, "Oh, that's," and then, but then, <laughs> but then he has like Vietnam flashbacks yeah, or something. Yeah, he just yeah. loses it. So, uh, funny story from that time is is they wanted to do a shot of him in arena doing the step ups on the on the stairs, and you know at the time they're filming probably a couple of television shows uh, in a day, and um, so they tell Bob like, "Yeah, Bob, we just we'll, we'll let you know. We need just it's a 10 second shot. You doing those step ups? So just be in the stands, and we'll let you know." Well, so Bob just starts doing the step ups when the show starts. And he literally did them the whole, I, like, I don't know, two hours. He just did them. He was just over there by himself in his zone, just doing the step-ups, like, ready for whenever. You shoot it whenever you want. Bob's doing them for, for the whole night. Whole show. Yeah. When I went to Japan with him in 94, well, I didn't, he, he, he was on the tour that I was on. Um, for some reason, I was always rooming next to him. And every morning at, like, 6 a.m., I could hear this, like, and I finally asked him what he was doing. Yes, he was doing steps, but it would be like for three hours, yeah. six in the morning till nine in the morning. And then uh, it was super hot on that tour in the summer. I mean, how it is over there. It's mm-hmm. like sweltering hot. And he's wearing a three-piece suit with the bow tie the whole time. And he gets on the bus one day, and it's like 110 degrees, and he has his bow tie unclipped. It's still on, but it's unclipped. He goes, sure. Mr. Tenor, I just have to apologize for my horrific, sloppy attire, but it's just very hot. So I, and Tenor's looking at the show wearing like shorts and muscle shirts, like, what the hell Suspenders. are you talking about? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> the whole thing. But um, that's funny that, that you mentioned that. And mentioned uh, we're talking about kind of kind of Bob because he was he would drink also a lot of uh, vegetable, uh, not shakes, but vegetable smoothies, yeah. vegetable juice. Yeah, Bob. You know, Bob was in really at the time he was a big proponent. Would always talk about you know. You know, you know, carrot juice, young man. Carrot juice is the right. closest thing to human blood in, in the way that it's formed. And it's, it's, I keep my house at 53 degrees because bacteria can't grow at 53 degrees. <laughs> like the guy and everything, right? But who are you going to, are you going to disagree with him? Have, if you've ever shaken Bob Backlund's hand, you don't disagree with that anything he's doing. He's still is, yes. like an iron grip yeah. at almost 70. Although it was weird earlier this year when he just showed up with no front tooth. Remember that? Well, and, and, and even worse is because if you've seen his eating habits a few times, I think he was at WrestleMania last year and he was in catering, he literally had a plate just full of spinach and carrots. <laughs> and he was just eating a plane with his fingers, which I imagine if you don't have your two front teeth would make it a little, a little like, difficult. Just go get a cap or like, something. I'm like, you're not, you're not ha- like, you know, like, you know, say I eat rabbit food because I, you know, I'm vegan or whatever. Right, but right. this guy was literally eating like, eating like a rabbit. Like a rabbit. All day. So the book that you have is called Food Fight. Yeah. And Real, it's an original title, I know. I, it, it took me like six months to think of that title. That's why, that's why the book got delayed. We Couldn't need, think of a good title. We need a catchy name. I here. need something original. <laughs> my plant, my plant power journey from the bingo halls to the big time. So is this kind of a half autobiography, half dietary? Yeah, book it's sort of it's thing? Um, you know it, the the idea was brought to me uh, by someone I was working with, Mike Tully, the the co-author. Uh, he's the co-host of the of the Jason Ellis Show. Oh, serious. yeah, sure, sure. Okay, I just saw so, the other day. So he helped Jason write his first book, and it was a huge success. Mm-hmm. And uh, a mutual friend said, hey, I work with this guy, Austin. He's got an interesting story. So that's how that's how the, the idea came to me. And I'd never really thought about it, right? Because I, I didn't feel I was at a point in my career where I had much to really tell. I figured mm-hmm. I wanted to wait till it was all done so I could really tell everything. Mm-hmm. You can't do if you're still trying to make money <laughs> sometimes. And uh, how long have you been working for? 
It's uh, been a while. 2000, I started, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so 17 years. So 17 years, years yeah. and, and it took me about about three, four years until it was officially my job. Sure. You know? um, mm-hmm. So, but uh, yeah, so it touches a little bit because really I gave up meat the same year I, stopped, I started wrestling. And so um, I stopped eating meat in 2000. I started training in 2000. And so the book just kind of chronicles... Um, my journey and how those things have kind of intersected and where it's led me, uh, you know, professionally, you know, personally and just what, and why I'm so passionate now, like the, the stuff that I've learned over that 17 year journey of actually saying, Hey, my food's important to me and I should probably pay attention to what I'm eating and not just like everything else in life, take what I'm being told mm-hmm, as the gospel mm-hmm. and that that's what's best for me. And that's really where it started. Cause I've always questioned authority, which, you know, it can be good and can be bad. It's a double edged sword. But so when I started questioning the, the food system and what I've been being told I should be eating and when I started peeling back layers and realizing just how misled we've been, it made me angry. It made me really angry, you know, and well, especially, tell, it, tell some of those 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 issues and stories, because when you're talking about right. being a vegan, it's vegan, right? Not well, vegetarian. Yeah. So and, and so vegetarian will still eat, you know, uh, eggs or, or dairy okay. products. Just vegetarians don't eat the flesh. Right. right. Vegan. Now, the vegan lifestyle. And I don't even like the term vegan. I'll get into that in a second. But vegans try to abstain from all animal products mm-hmm. and really just in life in general, which it's, it's nearly impossible. And here's the thing. Nobody can be vegan. It is om- in this in this world. You can't abstain from using animal byproducts in, way in everyday another, life. Yeah. You know, unless you're never going to drive a car, you're not going to. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just it's it's impossible. But it's about being mindful and making the decision that I'm going to do it to the least uh, sure, sure, level sure. I can like, because like, I have a choice. My, my partner, Fozzie, Rich Ward, total vegan. Yeah. And, you know, being on the road when we go to you know, Belgium or mm-hmm. all these different places. I mean, there's not a lot of not no. a lot of options for a vegan. They don't make a lot of vegan rock, you know, like rock star boots either, man. <laughs> yeah, and wrestling boots. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, sure. So, so, you know, I mean, that's the whole reason that, you know, uh, I, I didn't win the championship in, in WWE is because they didn't have vegan leather for the belt. And I just said, I can't be wearing that thing around if it's, <laughs> if it's that's real cow leather. You're going against purple, the... purple cow leather. Just I can't, I could never wear that. <laughs> right, 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 My right, God, right. it's against everything I believe in. But when you started in uh, <laughs> 2000, 17 years ago, that was, it was, like, now vegan is kind of more of a it's, trendy thing. Yeah, but back then it yeah. was not. No, it was even harder yeah. then. Yeah, it was, and it really was a journey. And, and you know, from where I started, where I am now, it's and it's not about. And this is what I tell: like my book's not about making you vegan. Mm-hmm. And I don't like the term vegan because uh, it's a label that people feel I got a slap on them. It's an all or nothing proposition. Right. And there's a stigma attached to it. So what I found is most successful in, in just opening people's minds is saying, "Hey, uh, implement more of a plant based diet in your life." Mm. And all the statistics and all the studies and everything is going to tell you that the more you do it, the better it's going to be for you. Better it's going to be for the environment. Mm. Better it's going to be for the animals. But I don't need I don't need to shove you in the pool before you know if you want to swim or you can swim. Mm-hmm. I'm just inviting you to sit down and put your feet in the water and test it out because I'm confident enough that as you do that, eventually you're going to slip in that water and be swimming on your own. But you get to do it at your speed. And whether you come all the way over to my extreme and you're 100% plant-based all the time, I don't really give a shit. I'm just saying open your mind because I was raised for the first 24 years thinking that the other extreme, that every time I ate it was meat, dairy, or eggs, that that's the norm. And that's not right either. So why, so why is that one extreme? So that's okay. But my extreme is so weird. Mm-hmm. I, I would think that, you know, find in the middle or finding everyone, you know, everyone find, find that place in that spectrum that fits. What did you find that were some of the things about eating meat and dairy and those type of things were like that really freaked you out that wanted you to make changes? Well, so first of all, again, I, and I talk about in the book, you know, my grandparents, uh, I'm from Wisconsin, they had a farm. Yeah, you know, I fed I fed grass to cows. It's all about cheese. And oh, cheese! Cows, cheese yeah. on our heads for the sports team on the, the, the Milwaukee Brewers. They have the the sausage race at the seventh inning stretch where mascots is different sausages race around the field, and everyone's cheering on their favorites. You know, it's right. like literally. I mean, it's it's entrenched in the culture there. So, but what, what 
so when I started realizing that where we think our food comes from, right, like my grandma and grandpa's farm, and then the realities where our food comes from are completely different, you know? And then when we realized that basically, I like to call it a corporate food system, it's, and it's always about profit before people. That's, that's the problem with, sure. in my opinion, the capitalist idea. There's nothing wrong with people being successful and, and having you know, free reign to be successful, but we continue to put profits over people. And there's no big picture, right? So with the food system, it's the same thing. We have a food culture where we keep people sick, send them to our healthcare system, which that business model is not supported by healthy people. Mm-hmm. It's supported by sick people. So we don't want to cure you. We want to treat you. So we right. have pharmaceuticals, right? Right. right. And, and so it's this vicious cycle where, it, you know, if we want to keep this business model strong, we need sick people and we need to treat sick people. We don't want to cure sick people. And that's why our doctors in their four hours of, of years of medical school, uh, you know, in four years of medical school, statistics say they spend about two and a half hours on actually learning about nutrition and mm. its real impact because it's not part of the curriculum because it's not part of the business model. Right. 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 right? So I started realizing like, you know, when you, when you, again, uh, processed meats, the same level of carcinogen as cigarettes. Mm. And that's a fact. That's, it's, it, that's real. That's yeah. real. That's not made up stuff. You know, so why would, why would we knowingly consume that? Or, or why would we not inform people that this is the decision you're making? And again, I, I equate uh, the big meat industry uh, to being in the same place that the big tobacco industry was in for a long time, where if we, if we create just enough doubt with people that it doesn't have links to cancer or disease or ailments or heart disease or all these things that are killing us, if we just create doubt, that's all we need to do. Mm. We, don't need to, we don't need to refute it. We just need to create enough doubt. And they've done that, right? Mm-hmm. So, but at a certain point, big tobacco had to put their hands up and go, all right, you, you caught us. <laughs> Sorry. All right. right we were kind of right. we were kind of fibbing. Yeah. We'll put we'll put the warning labels on all the packs of cigarettes so that it's transparent. Mm-hmm. And that's where we need to go with with certain things in our food system. We need to just put the label on there. If you as a parent want to feed your kids something that's the same classification as cigarettes for breakfast, I guess that's your choice. But it would probably spark debate over should we be doing should this? we be doing this right. right? I'm all about hey man, live your life how you want. Don't impede on me but just my know. life, but just know. Yeah. And, and, and it's not, and so well, it's parents responsibility. It is. But unfortunately the, the, the playing field hasn't been level for a long time as far as the, the amount of influence money resources that has gone in and to market to people and telling them that milk does a body good. No, it doesn't. You need milk for calcium. Yeah, you do because milk depletes your bones from calcium. Mm. See how that works. Drink more milk because you need calcium because milk takes the calcium oh, out of your bones. Wow. It's like a self like vampire. Yeah. yeah. You know, so like, all, and now, now it's not milk for calcium because they realize we've kind of debunked that. So now it's milk for protein, right? Mm-hmm. They just keep switching it, the, the marketing campaigns. Um, again, uh, and, and again, something that we understand for the place we worked, but who do we market? We market towards kids. Mm-hmm. That's where all the marketing goes because they bring the parents and the kids become parents and they give it to their kids. And sure, sure, The sure. cycle continues. So I would say if I was a parent right now and I understood what I know about the food system, I'd be furious. The thing I noticed Sorry, too over the years is um, like even... When I broke my arm in 94, I yeah. said, well, if I eat calcium, will it help? Right. You're out 16 weeks. Sure. What if I eat calcium? Well, pff, whatever. I ate like, I don't know, some ridiculous bottle of calcium yeah. a day. Yeah. In seven weeks, I was sure healed. And they were like, he's like, wow, that, like, why wouldn't you just say, sure, eat all the calcium you right. can? Or, or when my back was screwed up and the doctors, two of them told me I needed back surgery. Mm-hmm. Two, you know, you go for a second opinion. And then I started doing DDP yoga. Suddenly, I don't need back surgery anymore. Crazy. Why is that? Because right. the doctors want you right. to do the back surgery to get the money. It. You know, it's the business it's of it, right? Uh, this story that just, literally just happened in the last couple of weeks, my mother was uh, going to her doctor because there were some concerns of her cholesterol level. Mm-hmm. And so the doctor said, well, you know, try, try these things for a couple of months. We'll retest you. If your numbers aren't better, 
we'll put you on this pill. So, you know, uh, a couple months went by and, and um, my mother went and the numbers weren't, didn't really improve much. And uh, she's going to be on the pill now. And so I asked my mom, well, what, what advice or what did the doctor tell you to do? And what did the doctor tell you not to do? And, um, you know, the doctor told her to increase her fruits and vegetables and to eat a high protein diet. I said, well, did she tell you to cut out all the, the animal products? And she said, well, no, just she told me to reduce the, the, the dark meat and, and eat more light meat. Mm-hmm. I said, so you got to understand this. If you understand uh, what animal products do to our body, because the only, the only outside cholesterol that we actually eat that our body doesn't produce comes from animal products or hydrogenated oils. So you have a cholesterol issue and your doctor doesn't tell you to omit the cholesterol, the excess cholesterol from your diet. Does that make any sense? Mm, That'd be like if I go in and say, well, you have a tumor on your lung. We're going to, you know, do these things for two weeks, come back. If it hasn't improved, we're going to have to biopsy. You might have lung cancer. And I would cut back on the Marbreads and just go to Marblites in the next two months. Right, 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 right. That would make no sense to anybody. Yeah. If a doctor told you that, you go, what? Doesn't make sense. Right. So, but I don't think, I don't know if the doctor's knowingly giving bad information or that's been her training that that's what she thinks is going to help. But it's like, if you're not telling them, cut the animal products out. Listen, if you want to lower your cholesterol levels, it's really easy. Stop eating cholesterol. Right. It's that simple. Oh, but I love bacon. Okay, well, do you love bacon more than you, you know, love do, do you love double bypasses? You know, because <laughs> yeah, if you yeah. love bacon, like that's where you're heading. Right. It's such a simple equation that we put enough confusion in people's minds. And, and nobody also wants to, nobody wants to think that everything they've been being told and, and everything that they've been, you know, leading their lives has been kind of leading them astray and that, no, everything isn't genetic. And yes, we do have a say in our health. Mm. Uh, we're not just, oh, we got to find the cure for cancer. We got to find the cure for ADD. We got to find the cure for Alzheimer's. We got to, we got to cure, you know, all these, all these ailments. And it's like, what about the thing that we put in our body six mm. times a day? Mm. Are we anybody talking about that? But, and it's not just, and it's just not animal products, man, because this journey led me on more than that. It was, you know, red number 40 and all of our artificial colors that are linked to so many of our neurological problems that we have. It's fake sugars like sucralose that we stick in things so it's sugar-free that have you know, been linked to, to cancer. Yeah, sugar-free is worse you than know, sugar sometimes. It's, yeah. it's the BHT that we use as a preservative in all of our kids' cereals so it can sit on your shelf that's outlawed and banned in most other countries. Hmm. These are the things that, because it's a corporate food system, it's profits and over people. That's the issue. And, and yes, we live in a culture where it is very, it's very animal-driven and, and it doesn't need to be. Hmm. It's interesting because when you know something about this uh, uh, and have, I mean, obviously, how am I going to put this? You you aren't accepting what's being told to you. You're not accepting the norm. You're looking into it. You're smarter. You're deeper than this. Kind of relates to your attitude in life and even in wrestling as well. Sure. You know, I always kind of got things. We only met when you came to WWE, but I was, you know, I'd seen you and heard like uh, you do things the way that you feel is most logical, which sometimes in the wrestling business means you are a problem. I was yes. the same back yes. when I came to you. You're a problem. Why? Because I ask questions and yes. because, you know, it's like wanting to know what's in my food. Well, just accept it. This is the booking. This is what we're doing. Well, why? You don't need to know that. Right. Did that kind of equate it? Because you mentioned you started this plant-based diet in 2000 and you started wrestling at the same time. You're not accepting the bullshit of the business either. Uh, I mean, listen, I've I've always just questioned things. I want to understand. You know, I want to, I want to, I want to learn. Right. You know, and if you just, if you don't ask questions, you you can, you can do things, but never learn why you're doing them. Yes. uh, That's not going to help you in the future. Right. So, so, and, and, and yeah, and in different circumstances and situations that can be a problem because especially, you know, as you know, uh, you know, with WWE, the way that, the way that it's structured there, you ask the question to someone who doesn't have the answer. They have to go to the person who has to go to the person who has to go to the person to get the answer. And that process in and of itself can be tedious and be a pain in the ass. Yes. And, and so, and that, and so 
yeah, if I'm a guy who's not just taking whatever's handed to me and go, okay, yes, sir, and go, well, you know, this line here feels weird or, well, now it's not as simple as them going, okay, well, what would you think necessarily, especially for a guy like me walking in, different for someone who's, you know. But I, I walked in the same way as you did. Right, right. So but, yeah. so you understand. Yes. Um, you need to get that uh, tenure to get the right yes, sir. to question, which is, is crazy. Yes. But still, you know, you, who are you to question? Well, right. I'm a smart, intelligent guy that knows the business. Well, it doesn't matter. Well, and because I want, just like everybody else here, I want, I want what's best. Yes. Like yes. I want, I want, I want to do what's really best for everyone, mm-hmm, you know, and you mm-hmm. don't do that if nobody asks questions, right? Like, right. Or no, cause if we don't, if we're not all spitting ideas, how do we come up with the best idea? Right. But again, sometimes the way the structure is that ends up being a pain in the ass for the people now have to go and facilitate mm-hmm. that conversation. And I understand that. This, this is Talk is Jericho. Let's talk about this. I mean, your journey to get to the W, it was years and sure. years, and you finally came in, and then obviously we'll get to the meet because you left, and no one really knows what happened. I right. didn't even know you were gone until maybe I read something that you maybe tweeted or something along right. those lines. But let's talk about, before we get to that, when you came into the W, because like I said, I knew the name Austin Aries for years and years and years, TNA, Ring of Honor, and then suddenly here he's coming to WWE. Did you start in NXT at first? How did you get signed? Yeah. All that sort of thing. Yeah. So, well, and it was weird. So I started in NXT mm-hmm. and, um, uh, you know, I I offered to come back to Florida. I was living in LA at the time and I just knew with the travel schedule, uh, you know, it, it would be yeah. beneficial to be closer to Absolutely. the Performance Center. And really I wanted to be close to performance center and um did you have a couple tryouts did they just come to you i mean not tryouts but i'm sure they knew who we, you were some conversations i i flew in there and, and you know had some conversations with some people to just see what the opportunity was and see if it was a fit and mm-hmm. and um and uh and we pretty much moved forward from there so um but yeah I, st- I started out there and um you know it's funny i i the one thing i'm looking back now that i wish i wish would have been a little different is when i got in there they were still kind of figure out the structure of how nxt was going to be run I know a lot of the guys now almost exclusively if they get signed, no matter who they were or where they came from, they're going to go and do the, 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 the same thing everyone else does. They're going to go in there the, you know, five days a week. They're going to set the rings up. They're going to do all that stuff. And it's great. Like it creates a, a great environment of teamwork. Like we're all competing, but we're all working together at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's important. And, um, that hadn't really been fleshed out yet. So I, when I came in, I didn't get that experience uh, of doing that. And I, and I think that would have been beneficial. I would have, I would have, I would have uh, enjoyed that. You know, even um, as a former, because you were a Ring of Honor champion or TNA champion. Yeah, I mean, to go in there and start set up the rings that well, would have been. I mean, cool? I did, I did set up rings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but but I wasn't, I, I wasn't sure what was really being asked of me as far mm-hmm. as uh, I understand expectations because I'd hear different things. You know, so you know, in hindsight, you know, now like again, you know, my, my friend Roderick just got signed there. Right. Very, very successful. He's been everywhere, but he's in there five days a week, and he's and he's part of the team, and he's doing it like everybody else. And uh, I see value in that, and and. uh Okay. So, so just in in hindsight, uh, that would have been I would have enjoyed that because, uh, no man, like it don't matter where you've been or whatever. Like every opportunity uh, presents a new a new chance to learn. And when you look at the people that are there that are running these classes, from Robbie Brookside and Norman Smiley, um, you know, you got obviously Matt Bloom, you know, running the whole show. Sean, Sean is in there now. Sean Michaels. Is yeah, in there. I mean, yeah. Sean's in there. Yeah. So, you know, Scotty Tuhati, Terry Taylor, Terry. Yeah. I mean, it's just. Where do you get that opportunity to go, especially a guy like me? Because listen, yes, with with my demeanor or my reputation, and with the fact I've been doing this so long, people probably don't think I'm a guy who wants to be told how he can get better or doesn't want some feedback or advice. And really, the one thing I've always kind of wanted in my career was someone to kind of mentor me and give that to me, mm-hmm. you know. And I, and I haven't really found that person. I've had people along the way, but I would have relished the opportunity to 
really pick some of these guys' brains on a consistent level and, and, and do right. that day in and day out. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So you go to NXT. How long were you there for? <sighs> oh, boy. I mean, this whole thing was like a year. Like, this whole thing was like a... 18 month run, right? People ask me about it, you know, I'd say it's like the perfect Austin Aries run. Like I came in, like <laughs> a bunch of weird stuff happened. All of a sudden I find myself on, on doing commentary on Monday Night Raw in USA somehow because my eye hole was broken. And then I'm at WrestleMania. And then I was like, all right, hey guys, like this was cool and we'll, we'll go do something else. Like right, 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 right. Um, I crammed a lot in and a lot of stuff I wouldn't have thought I was going to cram in in that But that's time. like you said, it was an 18 month run. And some guys, like I think Shinsuke Nakamura was in NXT for 18 months. The whole time, like, yeah. your NXT run was shorter than some. Yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, and I don't even know exactly how long it was. It probably was probably about half of that, mm -hmm. you know, probably about nine months or whatever. Okay. I'm trying to think when I started commentary was right around the turn of the year, how, early this year. How did you break your eye? Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. Oh, yeah. shit. But it, you know what, man? And here, yeah. Listen, like, it was literally the freakest of accidents, like, I've I've kicked myself harder than that I think like and I'm not even saying that to like disrespect him like because yeah, yeah, the guy sure. is lethal with his feet if he yeah. wants to be, but it literally was just uh, instead of a flat foot catching me it was a toe and it just mm. caught me in the right spot Boom. and yeah. uh, and I must have really weak eye sockets I wasn't aware but now I, I don't because I have titanium in this. How one. does that feel? I've never had that happen. Thank God. So surprisingly like i know the picture i put up was graphic and it's kind of probably the reason i put it up because it look, just looks so bad it was giant like, black eyes oh yeah it was like the day at, the morning after yeah. you know when you wake up the yeah but uh it, it weird like it didn't it wasn't as pain like i've had mm. much more painful injuries and after surgery i wasn't in a lot of pain uh and i still have a little numbness and stuff right so like it's um i don't know like i said if, if you would have told me if you would have put it on the table at the time and said well listen so here's the deal we're gonna we're gonna move you up to Raw and do commentary. Uh, that's gonna lead you to then wrestling on Raw. It's gonna lead you to WrestleMania 33. The only thing is we got to break your eye hole. <laughs> Are you down? I would say, well, would you, how do you want to do it? You want me to do it? You, you got a hammer or something? Yeah, yeah. Right, 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 right. <laughs> let's let's go. <laughs> you know, so I mean, and that's the stuff that happens, and and you know, things are blessings in disguise, and I just try to always look at the the, the bright side of sure. things, and. Um, you know, and I've been really lucky, you know, for 17 years, I haven't had a lot of freak injuries or bad things like that. And that was the first like real surgery I had. So, so when you got called up, did you already have the broken uh, eye? Yeah. Eye well, so when it happened, you know, I was talking, you know, I was talking with Hunter and I said, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily just want to disappear, you know, for whatever extended time I said. So, you know, if there's things I can do, whether it's commentary, managerial, anything, you know, like I'd like to stay somehow in the scenes and this was at NXT and so, like, when the 205, uh, you know, idea was, was brought to life and they, they said, you know, going off of what you'd said, like, maybe this would be a fit for commentary and, and provided an opportunity that, um, honestly, uh, I'm so thankful for. And uh, it opened a lot of, it's opened a lot of doors for me. And, and also, I, I just learned a ton and uh, work, work, Michael Cole, you know, working with Michael Cole and, and having Vince, like, literally after my first night, tell me, God damn it, you're a natural. <laughs> Nobody's ever had a debut like that before. So why did they put you on Raw? Well, because they have 205 Live matches on Raw. So for those matches, I said, after after ah. I did the 205 Live, I said, well, hey, I said, you know, I'm here. I was like, so would you want me to, you know, I was pitched, I'd go out and do the gotcha. so match for the Cruiser match. Do the cruiser match. Yeah. Yeah. Make it special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So Vince told you that after the first time? Yeah, well, you know, because I was nervous. I was probably more nervous for that first night on 205 than, than probably any match I'd had in, you know, I don't know how long, you know, because like, I know like there's God, God is in your ear. Yeah. You know, literally like the, like the man is like, that's it. And, and explain and, how that happens to people that might not know. So when you're gotcha. on commentary, Vince is giving you a little 
I mean, you have an earpiece, and you know, and obviously, there's a lot of, and there's a lot that goes on with commentary, and a lot of we call it traffic that's going on, and you have to, you know, decipher. But but the main one, and the only one that really matters, is 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 Vince, you know, in your ear. And uh, he didn't. He may have maybe or may have not have heard my name before mm-hmm. that, or knew anything about me. Mm-hmm. So this was my first chance to make an impression. I would probably say he probably knew maybe nothing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, exactly. It, 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 yeah, I was. This is how I was is. trying to give myself a little <laughs> no, bit. Not of hope. just you, but all of us. <laughs> if you don't work <laughs> through may, those doors, he may have heard the name. <laughs> I don't know. Probably, uh, well, um, Austin. Well, we already have an Austin. You can't yeah, be Austin. Yeah, yeah. 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 Have one of those guys. Yeah. Um, but uh, so yeah, so and I knew that I knew how important that opportunity was because if you can if you can talk, it opens up a lot of doors, mm-hmm. you know. And so, yeah, I mean, um, you know, I, I got done with the first night and I was nervous and I was you know kind of beat myself up over oh, I messed this up and I, I should should have said this or I didn't say that. And I walked back to Gorilla and he was standing there with this big smile on his face and God damn it, <laughs> God damn it, you're a natural. <laughs> I was just like, like, what do you say? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, literally, like, you know, just uh, probably like the greatest compliment you could probably get at that point in your career, you know. Uh, As a talker in the WWE, which is, let's be honest, that's where you make your money is by sure. talking. Sure. And, and, and listen, and Vince has sat in that seat for how long and heard everybody. And I mean, I'm everybody. Yes. Years, Good and decades. Bad. Yeah, exactly. And so... For for him to come back and heap that kind of praise on me, like I didn't take that lightly, and and, uh, and especially your first night, because Vince does not give out compliments lightly, yeah, ever, and, uh, ever. So mm-hmm. that'll I'll, I'll always uh, I'll always hold on to that moment, you know, and and still and, and Michael too, you know, learned a lot from him, and he was always supportive, and you know, telling and, and telling me, hey, like you let me know when you want to when you want a spot here, you know, nice. and, and uh, so to get that kind of feedback for something that was so new at, and to get that kind of support, uh, you know, that that's one thing that. I really will. I'll take from me as, as just a huge positive and so thankful for, for that. Was the end game the whole time for you to do commentary to heal up and then end up getting into the ring and challenging for the title or whatever it was? Yeah. Yeah. I, I originally, I think that was, I think how it played out was pretty much what was the idea. I, I think the thing that at the time that wasn't known was how, uh, how well Neville was going to do in his role. And it changed things because, you know, if you listen to my commentary, I wasn't coming off as a is a is a sweet sweet you know nice, nice guy. Yeah, you know. Um. So that kind of had at that point they had to make a decision. Like, well, listen, this guy's. I mean, Neville's at another level, man. Mm-hmm. Completely another level. And I'm not just talking about in the cruiserweight division. I'm just saying in the company. Yeah. And so, well, let's not mess with that. So let's. But now we already kind of have this in place. So we're going to just switch it, which you know isn't always easy. And I'm sure you know as much as anyone jumping back and forth and and. You know, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you maybe feel more comfortable, have more fun on the heel side of things. Absolutely, um, there's and, no and, rules. Yeah, and and it's so much easier. I like to show my ass, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm at a point in my career where I don't need to be the focal point of the guy. So if I can be in that role, it's so much easier to help yeah. other guys. Yeah, and, and it's it's my... way easier as a heel to get over and stay over because you don't have to win. Ever, yeah, ever, ever. All you ever. have to do is get a microphone and get a couple of cheap Always shots get here your and there. Back. And that's yeah. it. As a babyface in the WWE, when you either I always say either you're the champion that's or you it. start working your way down the card. Yeah, that's and, just how it is. And, and you know, and and right or wrong, the first four things I did as a babyface there was fail. In what way? My first oh, four losing. attempts. My first four attempts with Neville, I failed. At accomplishing the job, great you know what point. I'm saying? Four so, times losing, I believe. Yeah, I believe it was. Five, I believe we did four. I believe, that the one time yeah. I beat him by disqualification, and then. But so, again, that's fine. You can do that, but I don't. I don't have any worth anymore as a babyface. So now that has to be a catalyst for something. Whether mm-hmm. it's 
me turning it on the other side, whether it's me doing something outside of, of the 205 Live bubble, whether it's putting me back in NXT, whether it's right. making me a mouthpiece for somebody. Like, I'm literally open to anything, but I don't have any value left as a babyface because I failed the, the first four things anyone ever seen me do. I talked up a big game and commentary, and then I came and I failed mm-hmm. repeatedly. Mm-hmm. So, and that's, you, it's hard to overcome. And uh, so... You know, but that was a situation, and uh, and and you roll with it. And uh, I would I would have relished the opportunity to uh, to do what I think I do well, which is get under people's skin and then have it shoved up my ass. Yes. So when you got brought into NXT and then you move up to WWE, did you know okay you're going to be cruiserweight two hundred five live? Did you think you should have been something else? Were you cool with being in the cruiserweight division? Yeah. Listen, uh, I was totally down for it. You know. Um, when you when you say hey we want to we want to uh, we want to make this a brand we want to market it we want it to run on its own and and we, you're we're looking at you as one of the guys that's going to help us do that that's a great challenge yeah, for me yeah. absolutely give me that mm-hmm. um, I wish I wish that I would have felt like that was really what the intention was you know because there were, you know the frustrations that I had were necessarily with myself right uh, I think it was the frustrations that I think we all have as as performers and artists. We can only control so much of what we do, and that can be frustrating at points. Uh, but you go out there and do the best you can with what you're given, mm-hmm. you know. And as you know, what you're given depends on on where you are on, on, on the totem pole, right? And you and so that that leaves you with you know what you have to work with, and you do the best you can. With it's it. hard too because, and this happened with the with the women when they first brought them. They bring in so many t- at once. The cruiserweight was like, here's ten cruiserweights. Sure. And you don't know which one is which. Now, obviously, Neville got the shots rise above. You did just by mm-hmm. virtue of doing the commentary. Sure. Who were your favorite guys to to watch to wrestle in that division and, and think should have been higher up on the card, so to speak? Oh, I mean, man, all those guys have all those guys have potential, and mm-hmm. you know, because they all have great stories. I mean, you know, they they've only scratched the surface with Rich Swan, who's so charismatic and athletic and has such a powerful story. You know that. Mm-hmm. To help people, inspire people to overcome, you know? Right. Um, so if you wanted to highlight that, you could, because and he's so young, he's got so much in front of him. So, I mean, there's one. I love Brian Kendrick, and I and I loved I loved what he was now in this, ro- in mm-hmm. this realm, you know? Yep. I've always enjoyed uh, anything I've done with him. So I thought, you know, and then there was a lot of young guys, you know, newer guys who maybe were new to the scene, like Mustafa Ali, you know, Jack Gallagher, who hadn't really been exposed to, again, like, they, the cool thing was there was a lot of diversity, and there was a, there was a lot of... And there are a lot of talented Talent guys, character characters from different backgrounds. Yeah. But it does take time, and you can't get them. You can't do ten at once. Yes. And you need those couple of guys to help lift guys up. And you know, I figured that was my role. My role mm-hmm. wasn't to be the dude. My role was to be the dude to help the next guys get be the, the dude. dude right. This dude's almost done, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, Thirty-nine-year-old Bayfe Cruiserweight. Like that's not my. You know, <laughs> yeah. I always said like, hey, like Derek Jeter's a Hall of Fame shortstop, but he's probably like a Double A catcher. You know, so like I'll go out there and catch for you, but I'm telling you, you put me, you put me in the right position. You're yeah. going to see a lot more value when I do. Yeah, it's, it's funny because I was just um, saw happen to see Drew Gulak. He's doing like the uh, uh, yeah. 17 yeah. point president. Like I was like, that's awesome. And that now he's my favorite guy. As Gallagher was my favorite guy first because it was something I could sink my teeth sure. into. And even with Enzo, I predicted that last year they should right. put Enzo in there because at right. least he's got a character that you know, which brings eyeballs to the title, right. which could have been you and should have been you if it wasn't the, uh, like the like you said, clashing with Neville, who's on this big heel run, and he's taking advantage of it, and you were almost miscast. Yeah, well, and but I mean, but but you know, here and over there, I don't know if it's miscast necessarily at first. At first, right. yeah, it it just it, it was different and. uh there's a way. There's a way to do everything. At mm-hmm. the end of the day, you know, but you have to have that win, like you said. 
or, or if not, and again, I that didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. I just said, okay, well, but now, now where do we go? Right. You know, right, and right. so, and it didn't seem like they had a clear direction of where do we go, you know, and which was frustrating because I feel like I'm more than just a good match guy. Like you could literally use me anywhere, anywhere. And, and and I'm open to be used anywhere, mm-hmm. you know. Tell us about the <clears throat> banana. That was something I was laughing it, about. It's just, I mean, there's nothing really to tell. Like it's just, I Literally, they wanted to, they wanted to, hey, can we get a few words with you after your match? And yeah, no problem. And I grabbed a water and a banana because you need to replenish. Like, <laughs> you literally just, you, what do you do after workout? <laughs> you got to have, you got to have, you got to replenish, yeah. right? Yeah, you need some carbohydrates, some, yeah. some water. So I grabbed it and I, so I walked up to do the, the backstage and they're kind of looking at me like, wait, you, you going to do that with a banana in your hand? It's like, well, yeah, I mean, I, I figured, well, I mean, yeah, I have a banana. I mean, should I not do it with the banana in my hand? <laughs> well, I mean, um, are, are you going to say something about the banana? Uh, and I, well, I, I wasn't going to, I mean, do you want me to say, I mean, I just, but, but why do you have the banana? I was like, well, because I just got done wrestling and you're asking me a question. I'm eating a banana, right. but like we're having this debate and I'm realizing like, wow, like they can't wrap their head around anything that isn't like written down or sure, something. Sure, and I'm, sure. So I'm like, well, let's just try it. You know, like, so I did, I did the first take and I. If you'll excuse me, I'm going to go eat my banana and pl- replenish my potassium levels, you know, and I walked off. Because you like, have to explain it. Because, yeah. Right. So, oh, okay. All right. All right. Well, uh, you know what? Let's try one without the banana. <laughs> of course. Oh, okay. Sure. No problem. Now I know how this game works. <laughs> yeah. So the out for that one without the banana was, now if you excuse me, I have a bushel of bananas over there I'm going to eat to replenish my potassium levels. And I walked off. <laughs> So then the writer says, well, I mean, if you're going to say something about bananas, you might as well have it. Oh, that's a good point. Let me grab that. <laughs> that's what Rick Rude told me years ago. Said, if you ever wanted, if they ever pull that on you and you, they, yeah. you do a take you don't want them to use, he goes, just swear in it. Yeah. Hey, let's try one without the bananas. Sure. Yeah. So uh, how was your match? That was pretty f***ing good. Yeah. Cut. Yeah. So <laughs> funny story along those lines. I did, you know, those like he's walking to the ring shots. Yeah. Yeah. So I did one of those in, uh, in TNA and, um, you know, Sometimes there, the quality control could be an issue and things would make air that wouldn't, you know, they, they, so I think something happened where I didn't, I only had like, was geared up from waist up and I was like, Hey, make sure you don't shoot below my waist because I'm going to have different, right. Whatever. And just in, in not complete confidence that this would happen to your point, I, I may have pulled out a little bit of my left testicle from my trunk <laughs> just so <laughs> as they look so watch that back and make sure that you cut from the waist up okay just to make sure that there's you know, yeah, 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 same it's along the same lines like you know like did you ever uh did you ever talk to vince about the banana because you had so, all the time after that so literally the first thing i said to vince so we have this meeting for 205 live and uh we get done and i and i ran back up to the room uh, and because i wanted to ask him if it was cool if i wore my sunglasses you know i just the eye was still messed up anyway and it's you know for commentary for commentary yeah, yeah for commentary i mean god vince please it's all i have is these sunglasses <laughs> so um i said hey you know it would be cool if i you know wear these sunglasses my my character my eye yeah, yes that's fine i said one more thing i'm getting this banana thing over and he just looks up at you uh, uh, he starts laughing. I go, no, no, hear me out. Like, it's not like a thing because it's not like Carlito where I always have an, a banana because if you make it a thing, it's not a thing. I said, it's just this random thing, but it's getting over because it is random. I was like, so eventually what I want to do is I want to market like protective banana cases because nobody likes a bruise or smushed banana. Like, that's the worst thing. I said, and just think of all the fun we're going to have with these plastic banana cases, you know, waving around in people's faces. And they're like, you know, so I'm like telling my whole pitch, I'm going off. And he's just looking like, who the hell is this guy? Okay, I've never met this guy. I haven't heard of 
He's, and he just looks at me and goes, okay, okay, we'll, we'll get to the banana thing down the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go, yeah. And so I walked off, and then so the first night of commentary, I just put it in my, in my suit coat pocket, and no one noticed. Yeah. And, uh, and then in, that was it. And I just kept doing it, and because it wasn't supposed to be a thing. And that's what made it a thing. And you know that better than anybody. The you, subtlety you don't of make it, it is what gets it over. Yes. Yeah. You know, I've actually seen those banana cases since then. They exist. They do exist. Yeah. And I got to think, like, that's got to be, like, kind of cheap, right? Oh, absolutely. It's like a, it's like a toothbrush holder. Yeah. It's like the fact that Vince is missing out on this lucrative that's banana case. That's on him. Plus, let's not be lost on the phallic, uh, you know, <laughs> ness of these <laughs> things. stick yeah. this banana case right <laughs> up your ass. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a second now here. <laughs> Hey, this is Chris Jericho inviting you to the first ever rock and wrestling rager at sea. Picture this rock and roll, wrestling, comedy, live podcasting, all on the open ocean from October 27th to the 31st, 2018, from Miami to Nassau. I'm bringing Hall of Fame wrestlers, some of the greatest rock and roll bands on the planet, and putting the first wrestling ring on a cruise ship ever. Don't be a stupid idiot. Make the list. Check us out at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. You're listening to Talk is Jericho. So let's talk about uh, when you finally do start keeping and working and, and wrestling in the very first, that I can think of in a long time, Cruiserweight title match at WrestleMania. Yeah. As a kid from Wisconsin, Man. in the business for 15 years, whatever it was, how was that feeling for you? Oh, it was awesome. Yeah. You know, 33 has always uh, it's been like an adopted special number of mine for years. Mm. So to, to kind of have it all culminate there really? was, was uh, you know, I think when I started realizing like, wow, this might actually happen. You know, because I, I was in the dark. I was doing commentary. I didn't I didn't know any of this. I was told one day, hey, like, Vince wants to do this. I was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. You know, and then it starts setting in like, man, like, that's a crazy ride, like, just four months ago. And, right. that's, and that's how this business is, man. Sure. Like, things can change just, like, on a dime like that. And you're never, you, you, the minute you feel like you're getting settled into something, like, it's, it's completely changed. So, but, yeah, I mean, I was, I was super, super happy and stoked and, you know, had my family down here and, and friends come out and, uh. And and you know what? The first thing that hit that night for WrestleMania 33 was my music. Mm, and, really? that, and that crowd exploded, and I walked. And it, it didn't explode for me. They exploded because, God, after four hours in this heat, like, finally Something's the show happening. started. I, that's not lost on me, Chris. It's not. But I, but I don't care. The other part of me goes, no, that was all because of it. It was of my course, music. waiting for you. Waiting. It, was just like, it was just like Stone Cold's, the glass, the glass shattered. And did you see him? Uh, but no, man. But seriously, though, it, it was awesome. And I felt, you know, I'd been there the year before, and I, and I know how empty how empty that arena was for, for those guys who went out there and busted their ass on, on the pre-show or the, the kickoff show. And, uh, you know, I think Neville and myself both took a sense of pride that that place was pretty full and people were sitting in their seats ready to see our match. Cause they and it knew was that, the kickoff. Yeah, it was yeah. the kickoff. And, and that, that place was pretty full and, and people were there and ready to, ready to rock and roll and be entertained. And, uh, how much time did you have? I think we had close to 20 minutes. So that's good too. Yeah. yeah you get, you and, get yeah. your time as well. I, you know, here's the funny thing, man. Like, of course, everybody wants to be on the main, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, but not everybody can be, and so I it didn't it didn't bother me in the least. Like I, I I looked at it like, all right, like I have a job to do now. My job is to make sure everyone's here for the kickoff show because I'm telling everybody, hey, if you miss the kickoff show, you're gonna miss one of the best matches of the mm-hmm. night because we're gonna go out there and tear it down. And so that's my job. That's my responsibility. I I, I take that seriously. I don't I have no ill will for that. You know, like, and mm-hmm. I think we went out and did that. It's interesting that. too because. Uh, 
what the kickoff show even is now, it's not like pay-per-views don't even really exist. Right. So if you're watching on the network, it pretty much is airing for everybody that's watching anyhow. Sure. It's just who's tuning in at what time. And in some ways, you could look at it like, hey, I'm like I'm like the infomercial for anybody who's on yeah. the fence about buying this and that's thing. That's what it used and, to be, yeah. You, you give them this match, they go, well, shit, if that's the first match of the night, I yeah. better buy this because... Absolutely. I told so, him is that yeah. right from... I called the Mike Damone principle from Fast Times with my eye, the scalper. Right. He's trying to teach the guy how to uh, go on a date. It's yeah. like... Act like wherever you are, right. it's the place to be. Look at this. Isn't this great? <laughs> if you're on the pre-show, man, it's the place to be. Yeah. You know, that's why I was That's, that's why I tried to sell it. You know, and, you know, along those lines, there's, uh, there's, there's a, so there's a tweet I put out uh, that garnered some headlines. Um, I, I put a tweet out saying, uh, tell everyone that the WrestleMania 33 DVD was available in Canada on Blu-ray. Uh, unfortunately, one of the best matches of the night was left off the DVD, mm, right? right? And and so people took that and, and took that and made it into, oh, one of the reasons Austin Aries left is because he was mad. His match wasn't on the DVD. <laughs> um, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to out myself here, okay? I get paid to put tweets out sometimes. <laughs> okay? Sometimes I get paid to put things over by, by people who have things that they're selling. <laughs> and it just so happened the one thing I was paid for this time happened to be to put over that the fact that the DVD of WrestleMania 33 is now available in Canada on Blu-ray. Well, as I went to put this out, I realized... Oh shit! I don't think I'm even on this on this DVD. I'm about to promote. Well, how would I do that mm-hmm. in my in all my sarcasm and 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 wit? Mm-hmm. And, and that's how I chose to, right? And so people took that, and and I didn't even think about the. Oh, I might not get royalties for that now. Shit, I didn't even think about like. <laughs> At least you got paid for the tweet. Yeah, right. I got paid. Yeah, got paid more for the than tweet. the royalties you would have got. <laughs> so I just want to clear that up. Like that wasn't some smoking gun. Uh, I wasn't <laughs> sitting around pouting, you know, kicking things over because I was mad. It didn't even really dawn on me that it was, that it wasn't, uh, and, and it hadn't. It didn't really affect me. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the story behind that. So, so what was the reason why you left? Because like I said, I saw you last in Japan, and right. it was kind of like I think you had to do two five, and you guys showed up kind of like. We all flew there, and, and you and a couple of the cats got there. Like Neville got there yeah. like three minutes before showtime. Yeah, and then that's the last I've seen of you until this right. moment. Uh, I mean, long story short, and, and and I'm not, you know, I I can't speak to stuff that I've read or people have read because you know those things were never brought to me personally. So that's you know, uh, and I don't I don't really like to deal with speculation. So just plain and simple, I was told that they had nothing for me creatively. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I was set to start, uh, you know, I just started rehabbing, uh, some nagging injuries on my neck. Um, obviously, you know, finishing up the, the program with Neville kind of left me in a, you know, um, didn't, didn't have anything solid for me creatively. So, you know, speaking with the doctors, um, that it was a good time to give me a little time off, let me rehab, get some strength back. I lost, I lost some size, uh, and uh, I was looking forward to that. And then, you know, I just got a call uh, actually the day after uh, I started doing that and just said that there was nothing for me creatively. And uh, and that was really it. And I so go ahead. So, so, so what is what is that basically saying? Like we got nothing for you. See you later. Or, or it's up it, to you to wait around or. No, I was just told that they had yeah. nothing for me. They're going to let me go. Hmm. And, um, you know, and, and uh, you know, I, I expressed uh, I expressed, you know, uh, you know, that I, obviously, like, that was unfortunate. Uh, I wasn't completely surprised. I felt maybe there were some things leading up to that, that that maybe that was kind of the direction that things were going to head. Mm-hmm. But, um, hey, man, like, uh, that that's a business decision. And, and the bottom line is, uh, you know, I think I appreciate the opportunities that I was given there. Uh, I didn't want to leave. I didn't ask to be released. Gotcha. It, it, okay. never, it never crossed my mind. Okay. I never had that conversation with anybody. I was more than happy to, to you know, spend the time getting healthy and then figure out what they had for me next. Because literally, I was happy to do whatever. I, hey, I'll, I'll go to NXT, put me as a mouthpiece, take, like take said, me out yeah. of 205. Like, you can do anything with me. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm open. And I'm at a point in my career where, you know, 
I've won championships and I've done all these things and that, and it's cool. And I realize that I take pride in being a utility guy. Like, could you build Austin Aries to be the world champion? Yeah, you could. Well, you were at one point, weren't you? Right, but, yeah. right. but if you asked me, would you build Austin Aries to be a world champion? i go, well, I mean, there's probably about 10 other guys I'd do first. Like, <laughs> could you do it with me? Sure. The right, against the right opponent with the right story and the right build? I can handle that load. I, I know, like, I have the talent, but I wouldn't be an ideal choice, and that's not lost on me. Mm. Luckily for me, like, I can do a lot of things and be a valuable asset that has nothing to do with winning titles or championships or any of that. Gotcha. So, right, so that's, right. never, that's never been an issue, you know, and... uh that was their decision to, you know, and, and I respect it. And I, and I also respect and appreciate that they allowed me the, the 90 days that I was still being paid to, to go in the performance center and to continue to rehab and get the strength back. Oh, did they? Yeah. Well, you know, listen, I mean, you know, I started rehabbing the day before I got the phone call and I just said, well, Hey, you know, I, I started doing this. Obviously my next been an issue and I don't need to go wrestle anywhere for the next 90 days. And, you know, I was looking forward to, to, to having some time to get my body right. And, and they were, gracious and allowing me and i want to thank tara you know at the performance center for really you know putting putting the work in and helping me uh, that's cool you know, yeah yeah and so I, I appreciate that so i can walk out of there uh you know feeling good and ready to resume and do what i do and and they're going to keep doing what they do and they and hey what they do they do better than anybody else in the world it's always funny and, and this happens more times than not where you'll get that ultimate compliment from vince of like yeah. you're a natural and it's like well if i'm such a natural why don't you just stick me back in the mic again yeah yeah like it, it it's crazy to go from being a natural uh, to having nothing for me creatively, yeah. but that's the nature of the business sometimes. And, you know, and, yeah, and that, so. and that's kind of the WWE way. Is it's it's some guys just they you know look at AJ for years or Samoa Joe for years. There was nothing for them, and they're sure. two of the best in the world. But sure. for whatever reason, Vince didn't want to use them. You yeah, know? and it's the same well, thing. And and listen, man, and you know, and I know that there could or could not be more to that story mm -hmm. and I will never know. And it doesn't matter Yeah, because right, you're always right, right. the last one to find out everything anyway. Mm -hmm. So uh, to, to worry about the, the, the things I've heard or the speculation or things that have been written about me, man, I'm, I'm just going to go with the facts and, and, and the facts are like, Hey, we, we decided to part ways. I have anything for me creatively. Mm -hmm. I respect that decision. I respect that. I got to use the facilities and get myself back to being healthy. And I'm going to go keep doing uh, what I enjoy doing. And, uh, and, and I tell you what, man, Talking about tweets, I uh, put a tweet out the other day saying, ask you "Yeah, that. and and, and you know, was taking a shot at WWE." What did it say though? What was the tweet say? Basically, it just said like, you know, I, I got about nine shows lined up for the rest of the year. That's going to start in mid-November with Tommy Dreamer's House of Hardcore. I've got some stuff internationally, but literally, like in, in those dates, I'll make as much money yeah. for those that I've made in you know any any yeah. any month in WWE. It was, it was like an indie bookings, uh, uh, Pac-Man symbol. Yeah, yeah, better than yeah. WWE. Yeah, money uh, you yeah. know. So and and that wasn't that that listen that that was not taking a, a shot or a knock at the WWE money or the or the job there, man. It's phenomenal, you know. And and the upside there is unlike anywhere else. But there's also something to be said for actually having control over how much money you can make, and you don't always have that there. And the nice thing is, and this is really all I was speaking about, I've been a quote-unquote top name on the indies for most of my career, and I know the money that wasn't or was there for you, didn't matter how good your name was, how, how good you were in the ring, the money just wasn't there because the fans weren't coming up to pay it. Mm -hmm. So I know I know what the, the limits were and the caps were five years ago and ten years ago to what a guy could go out and make on his own. And when I look at the landscape now, man, it's different. It's right? all different. And, yeah. and that's an awesome thing. It's awesome because I think that WWE's business is as healthy as ever. They're expanding into more and more international markets. They've got their own network. They're, they're making ties within the industry. More people have jobs. That's, that's a great thing. And outside of that, the pro wrestling scene is as 
you know, vibrant and thriving as it's, as it's been since I started because, you know, when I started, WCW was still around 2000. And I remember, I remember I was training my camp and Lenny Lane was there collecting five grand a week to not be on TV. It's true. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, so I was like five grand. That's like two, yeah, 250 a year. Yeah. He's making 250 a year. They were just giving those contracts home, right? up for nothing. So now that, you know, you know, green greenhorn brand new like and can i just say this quickly i yeah. never once ever made 250 grand a year in wcw so lenny lane is making that 2000 you know why they they probably thought that they gave they gave lenny your contract because <laughs> you guys look so much alike. they probably thought this whole time that they thought god we thought this jerk guy was good he's the, he's the shits and, and he, why does he suck on this lollipop send him home <laughs> but there you go but, but that's but that's the way it was i remember hearing uh leaping lanny poffo uh, same thing. Actually, you sat in that chair and told me he made yeah. like three hundred grand a year because yeah. Savage hooked him up. Insane. I saw him in the three years I worked there once, one time, and I worked every show. He made like three hundred grand yeah. a year. Like, oh, so Randy, yeah. so they would just give those contracts away. But the, the landscape then was different because right. there was options. Guys could go make real yes. money there, and the, and you go to Japan and make real money. So, you know, when I got in the industry, like, yeah, you know, I grew up watching pro wrestling across the board, and all I wanted to do when I saw that ring was I wanted say I'm a pro wrestler for my job. And and so my end game wasn't necessarily like, oh, I want to go to WrestleMania. And that at the time, like WWE was one of the options of how you could be a pro wrestler for a living, mm-hmm. you know? So, but once that, once that went away and once, you know, Vince bought everything, it created this huge void. Mm-hmm. And that's where your ring of honors came from. And the indie scene became thriving, became thriving, but that didn't really, exi- I don't think that scene existed before that to the level it did. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and now you have tape traders and technology is changing and it's making the world smaller. And now guys who are wrestling in the Northeast, people are seeing them, their footage down here on the West coast. And now promoters going, well, I want to bring this guy in. Yeah. It changed, but so it's gone. It's, it's still really new. If you think about it, like that, that scene is like 15 years old. Mm-hmm. And so it's gone through some changes, but like now it's on an upswing, man. And like, and you know, not just in the states, but globally, like professional wrestling is becoming cool again because there is a there is a market for adult themed professional wrestling alternative to it. And the yes. thing I like about it is there's guys that don't want to come to WWE. I mean, obviously I'm, their end game might be that, but you look at sure. the box, sure. look at uh, Marty Scroll, look at Osprey, look at Kenny Omega. Right, they're making decisions to not go because I I said this to Harry Smith years ago. It's like just go to Japan, go make your way. WWE is not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. This company is not going anywhere. So right. go and and do that. And so then a guy like Cody Rhodes leaves on his own. Look at him. Now you're leaving. Look what's going to happen. It's great to see that you can still uh, Neville. Yeah. Perfect example. Hey. You know, I said it the other day. It's like leaving WWE is like walking off the edge of a building and yeah. being told so that there's that, a yeah. there's a net there, but you don't Just know trust. for sure. Yeah. Trust. And if you believe in yourself, which obviously you do. Right. It's probably not going to be the worst decision in the world that 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 happened. You well, know? And, and 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 to that analogy, there's certain guys that know that even if the net's not there, they can fly. <laughs> yeah. So so if I realize it's you know like I'm I'm one of the lucky ones that has been able to you know build my name up over the course of my career to where I was making a living doing this before right. I got here, and I'll be able to do that afterwards. And it's not lost on me that the fact that I went there has increased the money I can make, and I'm you know. Eternally grateful for that, and you got to keep your name the whole and time. And I kept my name the whole time. But regardless of of whatever you know increased you know market value I have because of my time in WWE, if that money wasn't there, it wouldn't matter. And the fact of the matter is, the money is there right. more now for more people than it ever was, and that's an awesome thing. And nobody should like nobody should feel any way about that other than like positive and happy because that's good for everyone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, did you get a lot of calls when the word came out that you were gone? 
from like other promoters and other stuff. Sort promoters, of every every guy who's got a you know website and a, a, a oh. sheet that they want people <laughs> like you know like everybody trying to and that's the thing, man. Like I you know I had every opportunity to to talk about it and you know I, hey I was under they were paying me for ninety days and I felt while they were paying me I still felt an obligation to you know to be professional and and not to speak about it mm-hmm. and uh, and now that's now that that's up you know I, that's all everyone wants to know they that's. I'm trying to talk about my book. Everyone just, well, we want to know what happened there. Yeah, and I said, and that's, tell why, yeah. and that's why I said, you know, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to, I'm going to come here because I want to talk to somebody I respect and somebody yeah. in the business I appreciate uh, that. Who, who understands and that I feel comfortable, you know, just talking about these topics because you, because you get it. Well, and vice versa. And just so people know, we, we, I woke up this morning, I took my kids to school. You happened to DM me yeah. right when I was, I DM'd you, I think like a minute later. Sure. Let's do it. I can't do it past Saturday. You can't do yeah. it tomorrow. Next day. So here we are three hours ago. You want to do this, and here we are doing it. Make it happen. Because I wanted to to talk to you as well. Because, like I said, like I I'm just curious. Because as a guy, just like, hey, what's, I wonder how he's doing. Yeah. So, but that's but you you got the right attitude, man. Like you said, and the, at the very least, they called you and said, we don't have anything for it. There's guys that are there. They don't have anything for them. They're still doing the, nothing under sure. the you know making fifty sure. bucks a night, and that's what some of those guys make. So now you get this, and you can go spread your wings and go out there and do all of this great stuff that you did before. Add to it with your WWE yeah. experience, and they'll go. And, and make a real splash. Yeah, and, and it's really allowing me. And the, and the cool thing is, I'm really starting to get invested in the in the plant based community, and it's growing. It's uh, the plant based community, and just the plant based lifestyle is really one of the most emerging markets. Just from a, from a business standpoint, you look at you know Amazon buying Whole Foods for a reason. Um, it's allowing me now. I, I just did my first Veg Fest in Vegas. I actually left the day before the tragedy Veg there. Fest. Oh, really? And um, you know, I, but I got I was afforded uh, a platform to speak for forty five minutes, talk about my book. There's about six thousand people at that one. It's only the second year they've done it. I'm what, be, what, what happens at Veg Fest? It's it, it's like it's so it's any of your other festivals, but it's all the vendors. It's all your it's all your plant based vendors. So vegan food, vegan drinks. You got speakers. You have you know whether it's you know gotcha. clothing lines, artists. It's like any other fair, so but it's like this the is, Arnold Classic, but all the booths. For, yeah, and, and there's more and more of these popping up. I'm actually going to be uh, at the Central Florida Veg Fest in Orlando. I hear like 15,000 people. It's one of the biggest ones in the country, and I'm going to be speaking there uh, and having my book. And it's a really, it's a really cool thing, man. And, and I start realizing like it's a, it's a rewarding community. And as I'm going along and having these conversations with people, um, it's nice having thoughtful conversations about people who who see the world a little bit the way that I do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting because when, when Daniel Bryan first came in yeah. and uh, I believe he's vegan as well. Yeah. I mean, mo- same, most, mostly right. Same attitude. Yeah. Yeah. But Vince, mostly Vince hated that. Yeah. And actually made him as a vegan heel talking about, I'm a vegan and people boo because yeah. he's like, anyone doesn't need steak. Oh, yeah. it's terrible. Uh, but I this mean, guy doesn't like, <laughs> this guy doesn't like colorectal cancer. <laughs> You're lucky that uh, you're lucky that Daniel uh, uh, got hurt because you guys could have been attacked. Vince would have called you the vegans. Well, hey man, uh, hey, you don't know that could still happen. You know, <laughs> you never right. I'm, I'm, I'm starting. I'm starting. To, I'm starting to round up the plant based coalition. You know, what I'm saying the V Generation X, the Meatless Street Posse. You know, hey, you can only join if you decide to stop putting the meat in your mouth. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the, the very, very, very vegan entertainers, double V, double V-E. It's great. I'm putting them all together. We're going to have all the shirts lined out. I'm, and, and the thing is, man, the Army's growing, dude. Uh, just J- Jimmy Jacobs, he's like two months plant-based right now. Right, he's right, right, my book. He, he just oh, hit he me told up. me yeah. that. He's the one who mentioned telling it. You, uh, Jay Lethal's telling me he's, he's thinking about it. Man, more and more people are jumping on it. And again, the cool thing is that you, ain't, you don't need to come all the way to my extreme, but yeah. you just open your mind and, and the rest will take care of itself. 
I so. love the V V V V E. Yeah, it's yeah. Great. We got. I got. A, I got a whole list of them. So we're gonna... hey, Pro Wrestling Tees, man. You can go sell well, that stuff there now. I think the Banana Club shirts will be out there soon. <laughs> so, oh, that's great, man. So, uh, that, that's it's, so that's kind of the idea. Are you going to try and sign with a company? Or you just want to kind of look around, and do all independent stuff. You know, uh, there's a lot of great opportunities. I and uh, I don't want to restrict myself too much because because there are, and not just in wrestling, but outside of wrestling for me and. Um, so but as I'm seeing, it seems like a lot of guys are having relationships with the different companies to where they're still retaining some of their freedoms, getting to do their things on the side, and, and that's really appealing. So, um, you know, as I said, you know, I've been really blessed for the last 17 years to help people forget about their problems. You know, and that's what we do as entertainers. That's right, man. And it's an awesome job, and it's, and it's, it's given me more than I could have ever asked for. I'm now trying to pivot to think of how I can help those same people start forget, uh, you know, instead of forgetting about the problems, how they can start fixing them and solving them. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's, it all starts with how we eat. I mean, those, that's the building really blocks. Does, of, though, yeah. It's the most important decision we make. And, and the cool thing is once people open their mind and realize it, it's literally 100% in our hands. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that nobody else can control is what you put in your body and what you eat. And once you decide that that's important to you, and, and uh, again, you change my mindset from, do I like the way it tastes? How quick can I get it? And how cheap is it? And that's how most of us think of our food. I know I did for 20-some years. Now I look at it, how good is it for me? Where did it come from, and how much nutritional value do I get for my dollar? When you start looking at food and that, it starts a different. Looking a whole right? different way. Yeah. Last couple of questions. Uh, first of all, what's your favorite vegan meal to have for like dinner, for example? Let's see, just pie. <laughs> do you like pie? Pie. Would you be more specific? Yes. No. <laughs> right. Uh, man, you know, I love pizza. And I and I've just I've had like when I was in Vegas, there's a place called uh, Evil uh, Evil Pie, like Evil Knievel. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a new spot downtown Vegas. Uh, and I, the guy made me the owner. He's amazing, pa- amazingly passionate about pizza. But he made me probably the best pizza I've had in my life, and it was vegan. So I love pizza. Yeah, I make I make all sorts of stuff, man. BLTs, uh, you know. So, so is the crust of of the normal crust, or the, it's, no... che- it's the cheese, really? It's just the cheese gotcha. substitute. So the crust yeah, is okay. so, like they make different sauces. Uh, well, it depends. You know, that's it's the funny thing is you start realizing they they tuck away into everything because we have all this whey byproduct. Because again, two percent milk leaves you ninety eight percent of shit you can't use. <laughs> so they stick in everything until you need it for protein, right? So like, there's things you wouldn't even think that would have dairy in it like potato chips and not flavored potato chips just regular potato Normal chips because yeah. it's a byproduct they just need to get rid of it it's like the same reason we have fluoride in our waters you know they used to have to pay to get rid of fluoride back in the day and then they decided well we'll stick in the water and tell them it's good for their teeth uh, <laughs> never mind that it dumbs them down and you know probably leads to <laughs> autism Wow. Yeah. 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 But yeah, so, uh, but yeah, like wait, yeah. So, but yeah, pizza crust for the most part shouldn't have any, doesn't need to have any dairy in it. Uh, it's usually the cheese and the sausage that you're just finding mm. substitutes and replacements. And again, the uh, plant-based uh, community and, and just the, the mindsets come so far that there's so many alternatives now. Like when I, when I, when I went back, you know, and cut meat out in 2000, the stuff I was having to eat then compared yeah. to what I'm eating now, it's, it's, it's a whole, it's a whole different ball game now right. and it's better for you. It tastes better. And that's why I tell people like at the end of the day, we just want tasty food, right? Sure. Yeah. We don't really, we don't really care where it comes from. We want something that tastes good and we'd like it to be good for us. Mm-hmm. So, but we like flavor profiles. If we like meat, we just boil it in water and eat it. Right. We don't. We sauce it. We spice it. We rub mm-hmm. it. You know, that's what we want. We want the flavor profiles. We recreate those flavor profiles on things that aren't dead, you know, pieces yeah, of flesh yeah, sure, or whatever. Sure, sure. And, and you're not having to miss out on anything. So I, I eat bacon. It just it ain't pig. Mm. It tastes just like it. Like you know? veg, 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 they make it out. Yeah. Make it out of soy or gotcha. wheat gluten. Right. Right. Um, you know, Sweet Earth has a, uh, has a company. They make benevolent bacon. That's really good. Uh, they make, you know, they make a whole line of, of, of uh, plant based stuff. So 
uh, so people just open their mind to it. Yeah, yeah, there's there's plenty of options, man. There's there's, there's literally no excuse uh, other than it just not being something that's important to people. Mm, not knowing. Yeah. Last question: What's your favorite match that you ever had? If you have to pick one. Oh man. Okay, so this is my favorite match. Um, I had to wrestle uh, the Brian Kendrick in uh, PWG. And I don't think you've ever worked there, but Never I'm have. sure that you know the reputation yeah. of, of the company. people sold yeah, out in five minutes. Yeah, and the fan base, I mean, very passionate and very and, and tough, and they, you know, they have high expectations. And um, so at the time, I was the Ring of Honor champion uh, and was strongly the a heel everywhere I was, and uh, as was Brian down there. And so they wanted me to put Brian over as the Ring of Honor champion, which was something they frequently would ask me to do as champion uh <laughs> but uh i said that's cool i said as long as we can do it my way i have no problem putting brian over with the belt but they took two heels against each other so we had a match where we tried to out heel each other he pulled my hair i pulled his hair mm-hmm. he put my thumb in my eye i put my thumb in his eye he tried to use the ropes for leverage i used a rope for leverage he shot to the throat shot to the throat basically everything tit for tat every every old school heel tactic you can think of until some spot in the mid of the ring, he goes for the leapfrog and he crumbles and he hurts his knee and he sits there. My knee's hurting. I go, all right, I'm not falling for this one because then you're going to hit me from behind. You're going to start doing jumping jacks. And about my second jumping jack, I crumbled. I hurt my <laughs> knee. So now here's me and Brian looking at each other in opposite turnbuckles going, you're a liar. No, you're a liar. No, my knee really hurts. And I said, we're going to sit there until it's uncomfortable and people don't know what the hell is happening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we sat there. It probably felt like five minutes just cursing each other out and telling him, no, he's a liar. No, he's a liar. No, my knee really hurts. And the minute the referee turned his back to look at the timekeeper's table to go, what the hell do I do? We both turned, and Brian, Brian grabbed a chain from his trunks, and I grabbed the title belt, and we charged each other and hit each other simultaneously. And I fell back. <laughs> he, he fell, fell on, on top of me, and the referee turned around. And now that I put him over as a world champion of Ring of Honor, I put him over with the title right around my waist while I did it. And God damn it, he outdid me that night. And it was one of the funnest matches I had, and there was about 17 people in the crowd who appreciated it, and I don't give a shit. <laughs> And that about sums it up. And that man. about sums it up. <laughs> Dude, this has been great, man. You're I really great. appreciate it, man. Congratulations, Thank you. and I look forward to seeing what you're going to do. Yeah, in the man, future. you too, man. That cruise, man. You, you need some vegan culinary <laughs> skills on to, there, yeah. Huh? yeah dude. Slapping meat out of people's mouths? You let me know. <laughs> Bring the bananas. <laughs> All right. Thanks to Austin Aries. And speaking of the Chris Jericho Rock and Wrestling Rager at sea, did you see who was added to the lineup? The villain, Marty Skrull. That's right. Bullet Club represent. Got the Young Bucks. Then we got Marty Skrull. Uh, he's participating in the Ring of Honor, Sea of Honor tournament for a future shot at the World Championship uh, of Ring of Honor, the RH World Championship. He joins his fellow Bullet Club members. Like I said, they already announced, aforementioned announced Young Bucks. And we'll be revealing more names uh, this week. Uh, I think on Wednesday, actually, will be the next name revealed. But book your cabin now because some of the decks are actually sold out. Others are selling fast. Go to Chris Jericho Cruise. Dot com and $150 deposit holds your spot. And if you book by January 15th, you get a picture of me with the actual list. If you book the first 400 cabins, you get a special Q&A with me. We're getting close to that 400 cabin limit, so don't wait any, any longer. Remember, we set sail October 27th, 2018. Here's the lineup. 
I'm your master of ceremonies, Chris Jericho. Then, of course, we got uh, Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler hosting the show. Mick Foley will be there. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Rey Mysterio. The Killing the Town versus Keeping It 100. I'm going to do that for sure. Cyrus, Killing the Town. Uh, Keeping It 100 with Conan, Disco Inferno, Shane Helms. Beyond the Darkness, Dave and Tim telling paranormal stories that are going to scare the poop out of you. Raven will be there. Ron Funch is doing comedy. Jim Brewer doing comedy. Brad Williams doing comedy. Busted Open Radio doing uh, On the the spot reporting from everywhere and once again the sea of honor tournament featuring the young bucks and marty skirl already announced from ring of honor plenty plenty more to come and then there's the rock and roll side of things fozzy judas is number five this week number five on active rock radio number six in the billboard charts it's still growing after six months i can't believe the amount of uh, of buzz and success surrounding the song thanks to all of you we will be playing that on the cruise also phil campbell and the bastard son straight out of motorhead straight onto this cruise with phil campbell king will be there the dives featuring evan stanley Dave Dave Spivak Project, Spiwi, we play his music uh, right in the lounges of the ship, of the beautiful uh, Norwegian uh, Jade, where we'll be at. Uh, the Darlings of Rock and Roll, the Cherry Bombs will be there. Jim Brewer's Loud and Rowdy, the world's greatest female ACDC cover band, Shoot to Thrill. Ozzy cover band, Blizzard of Oz, will be there. Of course, DDP will be there doing yoga. Man, we got a lot of stuff coming on, so be ready to to, to participate because it's going to be a, a jam-packed uh, a few days. So thank you so much. Uh, one last thank you to Austin Aries for sharing his story right here on Talk is Jericho. You can get his new book, Food Fight at graybookspublishing.com, at Amazon, or wherever you buy books. It's really well-written. Go check it out. Thanks to Team Tiger Awesome for keeping us up to the news every week, although I'm not sure this really qualifies as news. Take it away, TTA. This is the news with Team Tiger Awesome. In local news, the Homeowners Association finally put me on the neighborhood watch. When reached for comment, criminals collectively said, Oh, There's a car I don't recognize in front of my neighbor's house. He's an alright guy for the most part, but there's a tan Honda that's been parked there overnight, while a cursory glance through his garbage tells me he might have a new girlfriend. More on the story as it develops. In further down the block news... Somebody finally moved into that big house that's been for rent for like a year. A U-Haul truck is currently backed into the driveway, but nobody has unloaded anything yet. I already don't trust them. For more news, listen to the Team Tiger... Huh? Oh, no, no, it's cool. I'm a reporter. No, nothing. Well, I would ask you the same thing, friend. I'm not following you. We're just walking in the same direction. Stop following me. For more news, listen to the Teen Tiger Awesome Show every Sunday on the Jericho Network, right here on Podcast One. All right, that might not be headline-worthy news, but it'll definitely give you something to laugh about. Hit the subscribe button on Team Tiger Awesome so you never miss a hilarious episode. Go to Apple Podcasts, subscribe to all the Jericho Network shows, and be sure to leave everyone a five-star rating and review as well. Like I said, Team Tiger Awesome every Sunday, Killing the Town uh, every Tuesday, Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Mitch still wrote, working hard over there. Great episodes. Raven Effect, great episodes and episodes every Monday. Flagship show, Keeping It 100 with Conan on Thursdays. Beyond the Darkness, Scaring You Five Days a Week. 
One last big thank you to all the great Talk is Jericho sponsors and to all of you for supporting the sponsors. It's how I'm able to do two shows for you every single week for free. Thanks to DDP Yoga. Go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho to take advantage of the special sale DDP is running exclusively for all you sexy beasts Talk is Jericho listeners. Then there's the Bear Mattress. Go to bearmattress.com. Use the promo code Jericho50. Get 50 bucks off your mattress pouches. Go to ziprecruiter.com slash Jericho to post your job for free. Go to Geico to save money on your car insurance. Thank you for listening. Keep listening for the 60-second AP News headlines coming up next and this Friday. Wow, my old friend. show is called Who the F is Michael Alago? Well, he's the subject of a new uh, documentary, Who the F is That Guy? Michael is the guy who signed Metallica, White Zombie, and Fozzy, among many more bands. He's got some crazy rock and roll stories about his time working as an A&R guy, signing bands for labels like Elektra and Geffen Records, surviving full-blown AIDS as well. He's here on Friday to share his amazing story. Michael Alago, who the f*** is Michael Alago, will be here on Friday. It's a story of survival and rock and roll, and you are going to love it. So we'll see you then. Until then, stay hard, stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs, and thank you, boy. Eat your banana.